The Gospels are the accounts of the words and works of our Savior Jesus. It's there that we learn of the acts of love that mean for us forgiveness and everlasting life. Join us to study one of these Gospels, the book of Matthew. Read a chapter and then listen in as our pastors from Grace discuss the marvel of God's words to us. We hope that you listen to Jesus' words and that with us you grow. Here's another discussion on a chapter from the book of Matthew. Hey podcast listeners, thanks for tuning in again to another most certainly true podcast. Here we are, two pastors from Grace Lutheran Church, uh, excited to to share um, in another chapter here, Matthew. Pastor Strong is here. Hey everybody, good to be with you today. And I'm Pastor Brian Hockman, and we're glad to glad to have you and glad to have this opportunity to discuss another chapter in the Gospel of Matthew. We're just trucking along in the Gospels, aren't we? We're getting there. We're over half done with this little project and and uh, this little effort, and uh, I'm hoping that you're growing from it. I hope our podcast group is growing too. That'd be fun. I don't know how many people listen. Do you know? Yeah, we've got some uh, some subscriber data that's top secret, but I do. Top I am aware of it. So <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> well, we are happy you are listening today and continuing through the Gospel of Matthew. Chapter 20 is where we are. Um, One of my favorite parables, Jesus tells the parable of the workers in the vineyard. Um, Sets the stage by having uh, a landowner, a vineyard owner, who uh, is looking to hire some workers for the day. And he promises them a a denarius, and he goes and picks them up, and they come in, and they spend some time laboring. Um, They think that's a pretty good deal. A denarius is a day's wages, so... Uh, this will be good employment, a, a good job, um, and so they carry it out. Then the the landowner, the the vineyard owner, realizes he needs more, and so he goes out again at noon and gets more workers, and then again at three, and then even right one hour before the close of the day at five, he he goes and and picks up some more, and then it comes time to hand out the payments. And I've been talking for a long time, so I'll let you pick up in the way that the people <laughs> respond. Uh, when it comes payday. Yeah, when it comes time to, to pay them, the he passes out uh, a denarius to the, the people that were hired last and only worked maybe the tail end of the day. And then as he kind of works backwards and each each group, depending on no matter what time they were hired at throughout that day, each received the denarius all the way to the very beginning. And those who were there in the fields all day from the very beginning of the day received a denarius. And, and maybe you're thinking, well, that's not fair. I mean, those guys who worked the eight-hour day should probably have gotten paid more than a guy who worked only an hour. Yeah, that's what they were thinking. And that's what for they sure. were thinking too. Um, but uh, you know, it's it's his it's his prerogative to decide how he's going to to pay, and he wanted to pay just as generously and graciously to the one who came in last as he did to the ones he had promised that same payment at the beginning of the day. And you know, I guess we would say the the point of this parable is that. Uh, as Jesus again at the end of this one says, the last will be first and the first will be last. And and that just it it really showcases the generosity and graciousness of God. That uh, it's not about how long you have been a Christian or how hard you have worked. The reward is is equally the same. And whether you've believed uh, since uh, as an infant and you were baptized or you came to know Jesus maybe only moments or days before your death, the reward of eternal life in heaven is still the same. Yeah. Maybe that's something we wrestle with. Right. The the vineyard owner's words, am I being unfair to you? 
I agreed. I hired you for a day's wage, and you you worked for a day, and now I'm giving you exactly what I promised I would give you. Is that unfair? Not at all. Then he asks, or are you envious because I'm being generous? Um, and, and ultimately, that's that's the answer. <laughs> they right. were being envious because they thought that they had earned more. Um, it always strikes me, asking God for fairness is a pretty dangerous request. Oh, for sure. <laughs> because God could turn that right around and say, well, if you really want me to be fair, right? Let's talk uh, about fair. You should be done. <laughs> we don't deserve to fair- stand. Fairness is punishment for <clears throat> sin. Fairness is only if you're perfect do you get to go to heaven. But Jesus is being graciously unfair and gloriously unfair in accepting someone else's sacrifice to cover our sins and allowing Jesus to, to be the one who sheds his blood so that we can be forgiven. But, you know, Jesus, I think, is just really hitting on something that's a core to our sinful nature. And it's just this idea of the selfish attitude that we have. Um, that just this attitude that always is looking inwardly at us and how is this affecting me and how, uh, you know, somebody else got something different than I have and, and I should have better. It's all about me, 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 I, I, I. And we see this because it's going to creep in at the end of this chapter too and in, in some of the, the requests of the disciples and their mom. But again, it's just this idea that is so ingrained in us that even when it comes to our life of faith and walk with God, we sometimes get jealous and lack contentment for what others have instead of, rejoicing. You know, I think sometimes we can be jealous. Well, how is it fair that that I've put in the time and lived a Christian life my, my whole life, and yet Joe Schmo over here, who was in prison for a long time and did some pretty heinous things in his life um, and didn't live a very Christian life, got to know Jesus at the end of his life and now gets the same reward. And that can rub us the wrong way. Instead, why don't we rejoice in the fact that there's another brother or sister in heaven Yeah, that's going to sit at the banquet table with us? Um that's that's the changed attitude when when Christ t- takes us and and moves our view from inward to outward. That's when we rejoice. But so often we're caught looking inward. Right. And here's a reminder not. To and it me. really exposes that even when we're talking about matters of grace, it's so easy for this. But I've earned it attitude right. to slip in. Yep. So that very attitude you were talking. It's unfair that the deathbed convert reaps the same reward that I do is really saying I've earned a little bit better and a little bit more because of the length of time that I've believed or the the amount of service that I've given and and, and that just exposes the fact that man I I don't really get grace <laughs> I yeah. don't really get the undeserved nature of God's love if I'm turning around and saying but I deserve more but I deserve better because I'm better than that person. No, if I really grasp grace, I'm going to join Paul in saying I'm the chief of sinners. I am the least deserving of anyone. Um, and then it's that attitude of humility that will, will garner the re- the reaction that you were talking about, the rejoicing when anyone and everyone repents. Um, right. It'll foster that mission zeal in my heart that, I want to go and and share this gospel with everyone in my life so that everyone can have what I have. Not worried about length of time or what I contributed because I get it. I didn't contribute anything. It it was all a matter of God's love and and his grace um, that I can have this hope at all. And I want others to have that hope too. Yeah. These are just, these are good reminders, this parable. And then, and then like 19 and chapter 19, our last episode too, just, 
you know, focus on what God has given us and rejoice in that, not worry about anything else, um, but rejoice in the opportunities we have to serve and to share the gospel and the shared love of Jesus with other people. Then we have Jesus predicting his de- death for a third time. Um, two times already he's done this, and now he pulls the disciples aside again and says, here's the way it's going to be. I'm going to suffer and die and then uh, be raised again. Um, and here we don't have the response. The other two times the disciples had a pretty negative response to Jesus' prediction. You can't go and do this, and you don't want to. And they weren't listening when he gave them the the uh, surprise, glorious victory ending. But right. I'm, it's only three days, and then I'll then I'll be alive, um, and then I'll prove that I'm the the one who I've been proclaiming myself to be. So we don't know how that we would kind of assume they responded in the same way because we see that same hesitancy uh, even further and deeper into the gospel account and deeper into Jesus' ministry here. Um, but here it just lays it out. Jesus pulled them aside and he, and he told them again. Clearly he understands they still need this encouragement. They still don't quite get it. They still need to be told again and reminded again, here's why I'm here. Here's what this is all about. You know, they needed that, that constant reminder of what the work of the Savior really meant to be because I have to imagine it had to have been really hard for them to to walk with Jesus every day, to, to know in their hearts he's truly the Son of God. Um, we have witnessed the miracles. We have heard him preach and teach unlike anyone else. We believe wholeheartedly. Um, but for them to, to really comprehend that he had to suffer and die and then rise again was just something that that would have seemed so strange and foreign to them. And, and so, yeah, Jesus probably just knowing their hearts and knowing that attitude had to repeat it time and time again. And, and I still think that they, even after three times here, that, that at least is recorded for us, probably still didn't quite comprehend it because right. as we see Jesus going through that whole arrest and trials and suffering and death, they they didn't necessarily comprehend it all. Yeah. I mean, the... the end of the very next section, uh, verse uh, 28. Jesus says, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. I, I didn't come so that I could avoid suffering and pain and even death. I didn't come um, so that everyone could just serve me and everyone could just look and see how great and and mighty I am. No, I came to serve and to serve in the greatest of ways to lay my life down to be the payment price to buy back sinners from their slavery to sin and to set them free and to win for them heaven. Um, So yeah, they clearly don't get it because Jesus is still uh, declaring, no, it's all about my service to you. It's about my service to the world. That's why, that's why I'm here. But I jumped over the mother's request, so let's jump back. Yeah, you, you did a little bit, which is <laughs> which is great. But um, yeah, so you have the the mother of Zebedee's sons. So this is James and John. James and John, right? Um, came to Jesus and asked a, a favor of him, and the favor is she wanted one of his two her two sons to sit on the right, and the other son to sit on the left in the kingdom. So really, like Jesus, can can my sons like have the the best positions? Can they be the top two right? in the kingdom? And so uh, right away, that's a flawed attitude. Right? And you almost wonder where that even came from. Like wh- that just, you know, maybe it strikes you too as just such an arrogant question to ask. It, it, it reminds me a lot of the time that the disciples were, 
they were fighting with each other about who is the greatest. And then Jesus comes and says, "Hey, what you guys talking about?" And they <laughs> right. all and they get all sheepish right. and <laughs> nothing. And oh, it must have been an eye roll from Jesus on that day too. Uh, yeah. But yeah, and and Jesus basically says, "Do you really think that 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 is a position you deserve?" All right, and and the idea of you can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? Can you take the suffering? Can you take the persecution? Can you take all that I have? Um, it's the you know, it's not about having the prime positions in heaven, but but knowing that my service to the Lord draws me into His presence and gives me that opportunity to be with Him, um, and that the Lord has prepared those places, the Father has already prepared those places for for those for who they to whom they belong. The the funny thing, or I don't know if it's funny, it's almost tragic, uh, but verse twenty four, when the other ten hear about this, they're upset. With the two. <laughs> because they didn't think to ask. Right. Or... Right. Are they upset that they asked? And man, how rude of you guys to ask? Or is it kind of this this idea of, man, I've been thinking about this for the last three weeks and they beat me to it. I wanted to I be, wanted to the be right there, the right? And so yeah. is, it, is it jealousy? Is it envy? Is it is it anger at them? I mean, I whatever it is, it's all misplaced and Jesus does put them, correct them and their attitudes. Here. And and you, it shows the temptations that... Um, the disciples faced and that we faced too. The devil knows where we are and he knows where those soft spots are and he knows how to push the buttons. Here are these disciples, these are the 12 that are following Jesus and where are they going to be weak? Oh, it's it's a little bit of this pride, this arrogance, this um, position or status that they maybe could easily and understandably start to feel. Um, you know, James and John are in the inner circle of the disciples even, and all that must be because, uh, because they're special. It must be because Jesus really loves them and because they're better than even the other disciples. And, um, there's just a lesson there that to not let the good things that God gives us turn into temptations to, to sin, turn into things that become a hindrance to our relationship with Jesus, uh, rather than the, the benefit that God intends for them to be. And Jesus' encouragement is that you should have a servant attitude. God has called on us to serve others, to love God, to serve him and, and the people he puts in our lives. And so it's not about being number one. It's not about having the best spot in life. It's it's humble service. It's There's no place for arrogance and pride in, in living as God's children, but to just humbly serve our Lord and and those around us. Right. Guess what? The the people to the left and to the right of me are going to share my attitude, um, not being here to be served, but to serve. Um, in fact, look at how that's even the goal of my ministry. That's the goal of my being here, um, to serve those around me in a way that no one else can. I'm the only one who can lay a life down and have it be a ransom for the world. And, and so I'm going to serve that way. And those to my right and to my left aren't going to be enjoying their positions of power, but it's going to be increased opportunities for service. A, a lesson that, that they're still learning. Yeah. It, it strikes me that this is the third time in three chapters that or in two chapters that Jesus says the first will be last and the last will be first. It's, it's really the exact same thing. That's one of those uh, really like, challenging things for us to get in our own minds. When are they going to understand? When is, uh, when is Jesus going to be done having to say <laughs> the same thing? Um, Jesus knows our arrogant hearts. He does. Our, our prideful hearts. So, Good reminders, and I pray they're good reminders for all of us listening too. 
Then finally, the the chapter wraps up as Jesus is actually he's getting really close to Jerusalem at this point. So he's actually he's making throughout these last couple chapters is making his way uh, from Galilee to Judea, and he is marching right to Jerusalem. Um, chapter twenty one is going to get into not uh, I guess spoiler alert. Close your ears if you don't want to hear this. But chapter twenty one is Jesus marching into Jerusalem at the beginning of Holy Week. Uh, we call now no Sunday. one's gonna when my uh, when our subscriber or. <laughs> listening viewership listen listenership is way down for chapter 21 it's because you just spoiled spoiled it it. but jesus (laughs) is marching and here he's at at the city of jericho right and jericho is just outside of of jerusalem and the two blind men uh, call out to him um and and rightfully the the right way lord son of david have mercy on us so they recognize who jesus is we don't know if they've come in contact with jesus and heard his preaching or have heard of him um, and the the miracles and the teaching he's been doing, but they recognize Jesus is near and they call out to him for help. Um, and the rest of the crowd is rebuking him, like leave Jesus alone, right? Um, but Jesus stops and uh, and he actually asks them a question: What do you want me to do for you? And they said, "We want our sight." So what do you want? <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm here now. What? Um, and Jesus had compassion on them and and touched in their mm-hmm. eyes and healed them. Yeah, the the fact that they address him as the Son of David shows that they've got this understanding that Jesus is the one that was told, foretold as the son of David, that Jesus is the one that the Old Testament scriptures have foretold. Jesus is the Messiah. Um, they get that. And so it's that faith that they have that Jesus is in the process of fulfilling that greatest promise to take their sins away that gives them the confidence and the boldness to ask Jesus to do a far simpler and less significant thing. Um, to restore their sight. I find it interesting that uh, the crowd is rebuking them, and instead of, like, shying away and, and, and being quiet, they got all the louder. <laughs> Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And I just think, you know, when the, when, uh, when the world rebukes us, society rebukes us as Christians, you know, maybe we just need to be more bold and, and loud, not in your face loud, but just proclaiming who God is and his grace and his mercy to us. Yeah, too. that's a really cool observation. These guys weren't being obnoxious intentionally or, or shoving it in anyone's face. They were just simply expressing their faith and, and their prayer, their desire to have a, a hearing with Jesus. And they weren't going to let some people who, who felt like they were being a little too loud or making a show stop them. Um, I think there is a good trait and uh, a good model there for us that to not give up easily, but to be persistent because we know who Jesus is. We know that he's savior. We know that he's powerful. We know that he's one who cares about us, has compassion and uh, has the power to heal our diseases and, and most certainly has the power to win the victory for us over sin and death. So Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. That can be our prayer, too, because we know that all those things are most certainly Certainly true. true. Thanks for joining us in our effort to read and grow through the Gospel of Matthew. We'd love to share more Jesus with you. Learn more about Grace at our website, www.gracedowntown.org. There you'll find worship times, Bible study resources, links to our digital media resources, our pastor's contact info, and a lot more about our ministry in and to downtown Milwaukee. 
We hope to connect you to the grace of God again soon.